Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, choir. Again, it's great to have you all back. Um, my name is uh, Drew Smith, uh, pastor here. Welcome to all of you and to uh, those who are with us online. Um, and, and today, uh, we're in the second uh, sermon in a series of, of really giving our best, what we were just uh, being led in worship about that, that we're seeking, we recognize all that we have is a gift from God and uh, we want to then take that and do the best that we can uh, according to, to God's glory and God's plan and God's purpose. Uh, so, uh, so today we're going to be talking about money. Now I know some of you said, you know, you know, I haven't been to church in a long time, and every time I show up, they're talking about money. And I'm, I'm sorry about that, but not really, because I never know who's going to be here or not. Now, I do pray that God will help give me nuance to, so that I'm speaking to everyone who is here. So if that is the case for you, maybe God's trying to tell you something. And you might want to listen really well. Because Jesus, he talks about money a lot. Talks about more than he talks about sex. Talks about money more than him. He talks about prayer. But he does talk about money a lot. Because it is so important. And it has a power. Money's not just a neutral tool. It has a power. That's a power that I've seen destroy families. When a great-grandparent dies and the grandkids turn on one another for the expected inheritance. I've seen a church get destroyed by a large gift that came and then was it caused division and tarnished the image of Jesus instead of highlighted the character of Christ. Seen it destroy many. And it has as a power in a way that you wouldn't expect. You know, here, I've got a picture here of a, a, a woman, um, Beulah George Tan. She sort of looks like my, my great grandmother, Muno, we, we called her. Um, but you, you, her, she goes by Georgia. She was born in 1895 in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And she was the, the founder and leader of the Tennessee Children's Home in the 1920s and 30s. And did a great work of, you know, you, from all that you could see of just adoption and foster care and those kind of things. Turns out the power of money used uh, Georgia to steal 5,000 children. And sell them all across the country. You particularly would steal children from uh, poor families uh, uh, that had lo- a lot of num- a lot of children. Would also connect with prisons and mental institutions in the twenties, and you know pay off the right people. And even at a time, even started paying off uh, doctors and, and nurses in hospitals, and they would tell the birth family that the child had died, and they would then sell to. Georgia, and then would sell them to the, the East Coast and the West Coast um, to families who would pay you know, thousands of dollars for the children. And uh, that uh, she ended up making ten in our dollars, ten million dollars in that and paid off a whole bunch just shows the power of money for uh, that can entrap everyday people like Georgia or me or you. 
And that's why Jesus talked about it so much. And in our passage today, he's going to talk about this power and to be aware of this power and how it competes with God even in our lives and some guidance and, and direction of, of how to be aware of that and, and steps we can take and explore so that the, the, we recognize money is our servant, not our master. And God is our master and we are God's servant. So let's... Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Almighty God, uh, we give you thanks again for your written words. It speaks to us of your truth. And we, we pray you will continue to, to teach and lead and, and guide us. That these ancient words will indeed continue to bring life to the full. So that what you have given to us, we will use to the best of our ability to serve and glorify and honor you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, our uh, first uh, passage is in Matthew chapter 6, and this is where we'll spend most of our time, uh, verse 19 through 34, right in the middle here of what's known as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew's five, Matthew 5 through 7. Starting with chapter 6, verse 19, hear the word of the Lord. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, And where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think the first thing that Jesus gets at here is that money competes with God for our attention. Money competes with God for your ambition. 
Money competes with God as your goal, your purpose in life, your, your very direction. And he says that, that the stuff of this world, he wants to make it clear, the stuff of this world is not worthy of competing with God. I mean, it's destroyed. Moth is eventually going to destroy it. You know, eternal and it lasts forever. So our heart, our soul, we, we want to be giving ourselves to what we know is eternal, not temporal. The stuff that eventually will be destroyed. Let's think about this. You know, let's just think about some of the greatest things you can think of that, that humans have made. You know, that are even existing now. They're, they're fantastic. They're, they're fabulous. The, the buildings and the civilizations and they're, they're absolutely wonderful. Yeah, but we know that another 100, 150 years, those things, if another thousand years, those things are going to be where the things are now that are a thousand years old that we've made, which is like way underground. Archaeologists look for it. They dig in the dirt and they say, oh, look, here's a whole civilization. Here's houses that used to be here. Here's where people used to live, what they used to do. But that was a thousand years ago and it's now gone. In a thousand years, that's where our stuff will be. Under the dirt, under the sand. I, I, I wondered, I wondered, what is sort of the oldest man-made element? The oldest thing we know of. And I found this Smithsonian, according to how they date things, got a couple pictures of these things that were, that is 3.3 million years old. And it's a tool, some kind of tool, some kind of axe head that they date and found. And that, and that one right there is 1.76 million. That's another one that's sort of an axe head. And they were made. That's really old. But it's sort of unimpressive, don't you think? I mean, that's what we got. You know, a rock that sort of chipped away is the the oldest thing that we've got. When in town, when you think now, let's think about what has God created that's really old? Well, we can go outside and the sun that is shining. We can step on the earth. The earth that we're on. You can see the moon in that picture. That's why I like that one. That, that's the same sun that was shining on Adam and Eve. That's shining on me and you. That's the same earth that Adam and Eve. The same moon that they saw. We still see. Now that's impressive. That, that's quite a difference between a rock with some chips on it. And the, the very globe itself. And that, that burning star that still, that is getting more faint, I'm afraid. But it was nice when it was 90 degrees for this southern boy. So Jesus is saying, hey, if you're going to pour your life into something, pour it into what is eternal. Pour it into something that you know lasts. And what God has created, it lasts. His kingdom. His justice. His goodness, His love, that is eternal and it never will wane. And what, and whatever we do our best, whatever God gives us, we use in alignment with those purposes, God's purposes, it has eternal impact. So focus your attention there. I did spend a little bit of time too, and this is dangerous. There's some of you that are much more experts in how the whole money structure works. 
Just how it works. I mean, really, think about it for a minute. How is it that we've all agreed that somehow this is worth five and, and, and this is worth ten? But somehow we all agree. I go out there and I go buy what uh, Totaria Garcia and I go say, I go say, hey, I want five dollars worth of tacos and they'll give me five dollars and, and it works because we trust. I, amazing. I, I ran into a, a little island and I think this is really fascinating, uh, called of, uh, of value of money in Yap. Now they don't move. They're too heavy. You can see that one's pretty big. This guy's pretty wealthy because it's his. And, and, but he can trade it. He can use it for what's going on. And that's how they have put together. And it works for, for them. But it just shows you, this is an interesting little setup we have. How money works and, and all. But it, it's, so it's much more stable to give our attention in every way to God. You know the, the joke, I've, I've shared it, I'm, I'm sure, um, and I'm sure you all remember exactly when I did. And it's just a joke, just an illustration. But, you know, the man uh, shows up, uh, a bit wealthy business person shows up at uh, the pearly gates. He's got a briefcase in hand. And Peter is at the pearly gates. Hey, what's in the briefcase? And he opens it up. And Peter, and he says, hey, these are... And, and inside it were gold bars representing the wealth of his family fortune. And Peter looked at it and says, huh, you brought pavement. Great. Just to say, hey, this we value, give so much attention to, to God is like, huh, nice. Yeah, set it there. It's a tool that can be our master. But one in which God gives to us so that we are its master. So that we have responsibility for then using this tool. For, for being the leader of this tool that God has given to us. This, this money. And into, into those things that are, that truly last. That, that God values. So I wonder. That's a good, just a good question periodically in your own life as you, you think about it. How, how does money compete with God in your own life? You know, when do the economic benefits of something trump God's values? You know, when, when is it that, hey, they made an economic error in my favor. Well, that's their problem. I'll let them figure it out. Or one that I hear a lot, uh, particularly uh, with uh, young young adults that are engaged or thinking about getting married, move in together with one another. And the the reason, it's almost like it's a drop the mic reason. Well, it makes good economic sense, doesn't it? Why should we both be paying rent? To which then I have conversations about wisdom and God's design and will even help pay for you to do what I think is really the best thing for you. Just because it has economic benefit doesn't mean it's the best thing to do. So for, for you, it's a good question to stop and ask and reflect on in our own lives. You know, how does money compete with God for our allegiance? For, for our attention? For our ambition? Now, the, the next second part of the passage, I think not only does, God, does money compete with God for our attention, but money competes with God for our trust, for your trust. 
You know, I mean, and, and Jesus goes into the second part of the passage. He says, you know, we all have basic needs. We have basic needs that we, we need to live, to work, and, you know, and to flourish. You know, we, we need food. We need clothing. We need shelter. We need transportation. We need communication. You know, I mean, we need health uh, care. No, we need all of those things for, for life. And, and Jesus makes it clear, hey, God knows that you need them and he wants to give them to you. So th- those those needs are God is aware of. And, and look, look around you. You know, God has taken care. Remember the sun? Remember the moon? Remember the earth? God's taken care of those things. God has provided for each of us the resources in order to provide for the, the things that we need in our our life. Now, we can't go the other end. You know, we, so we'll, on the one hand, so therefore we trust him, we depend upon him, uh, but we can't go the other way, uh, you know, like the, the, the student who says God's provided, God's provided an education and shows up for the exam and fails. And you say, well, did you study? No, God provided. I'm like, well, yes, a good lesson for you. God provides your mind, your abilities, your body to go work. To, to, to work for, for God's glory. You're, you're freed to work because God, it's not your job to provide for yourself. It's God's job. It's your job to work and to obey and to, to use the resources that God has given to you and to me for God's purposes. And through that, then God provides. But what often happens is we are overcome with worry and anxiety. And, and that happens regularly to all of us. And Jesus sees that. He goes, that, that worry, that anxiety, that's destructive. And it's a, it's a sign. It's a sign that you're out of touch with God. It's a sign that you're out of touch with, with, with God's provision and God's plan. So be, be, when that worry and anxiety comes, you know, be in touch with it. I, I, I have, I want to thank you, thank God and thank you for this calling of being up here to speak regularly. Because every time that I'm up here to speak, that week is now a journey. Of, of anxiety and worry. Okay. Does this make any sense to anybody but me? You know, God, do you think, is, is this what's going to engage with folks? You know, and that's, and, and, and through that, I have to regularly then stop and say, okay, wait a minute. God cares more about this than I do. Matter of fact, anxiety and worry usually are a sign that I care about how I'm perceived versus I care about communicating the truth of God's word. So I sort of go through a little mantra even as I think about this. And I'm like, I, God, I, I want um, I want to point to you, not me. I, I want to, to seek you, not treasure. I want to enjoy you, not pleasure. And I want to please you, not others. And I sort of go through that little mantra pretty regularly. And that sort of puts me, okay, wait a minute. I am serving you and you're the one taking this and applying it in our lives. And that sort of sets that anxiety and worry, at least tampens it down to where I can sleep on Saturday night. You know, and that... And that's that's part of our journey in this life, you know, being aware of just that anxiety and worry and how easy it is for things to take our attention, our faith, our trust away from God. And and money and possessions are one of the most powerful things that can pull us away from from God. 
And I, I think that it's, it's a daily journey. I think that's part of the reason why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer said, Give us this day our daily bread. Not our weekly or monthly or annually or life supply, but give us this day our daily bread. So that we are trusting in Him and then we're freed. We're freed to work. I'm freed. I'm freed to study and write. I'm not paralyzed by worry and anxiety. I'm freed to go for it and see what how God uses and what God does. And the same in all of our lives. So where, where, where for you did this worry and anxiety about money, about possessions, getting, getting what you need, compete with your trust and faith and dependence upon God? It is, it, it is interesting how destructive that worry and anxiety can be. Um, actually, last year or so, pollsters that keep in touch with sort of America, what's going on in America sociologically say money has now become again the number one worry on people's minds, even more than physical health. It's become the number one worry. And then they say, and here are some of the destructive things that happens when we, when we worry about money, sleep deprivation. Gambling and other addictions. Conflict in relationships and in families. And then also hoarding. And just taking things that that anxiety and worry. Those are the top four things that then happen when our top anxiety and worry is about money. So, again, where, where do you see in your your life that the way sometimes that worry and anxiety around particularly money and possessions can stifle your faith can steal your faith steal even your joy and the freedom of enjoying the things that God has given to you remember remember God has taken care of the birds he's taken care of the the flowers and they are beautiful, magnificent. If God takes care of those, then he's going to take care of us. That's his character. If they were, and then I think the final point then from, from this is to, to trust God and enjoy God's gifts. Trust God and enjoy God's gifts because all these things are good that God has given for us to enjoy. I mean, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. There's nothing wrong with treasure. There's nothing wrong with serving and seeking to please one another unless they are God. With, with, so keep first things first. Seek first His righteousness, His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added on to you. Trust God and enjoy God's gifts. The um, another quote from you from uh, Dr. David Benner, I think that captures this really, really well. Uh, there we go. Despite what you've heard. Christian spirituality is not about the crucifixion of desire. Rather, it's about the distillation and focusing of desire. 
It's about discovering the freedom of desiring nothing more than God and then enjoying with detachment every other blessing and gift. And so it, it is, we keep first things first, then the things fall in place and we enjoy the gifts of God. So the, the third point of application for us is just what are the good gifts that God has given you that you enjoy? The resource that God has given you monetarily that enables you to have pleasure and to have treasure that bring you meaning, bring you joy, and they're in line with God's kingdom. Celebrate those things also. Now, um, uh, uh, last week gave everybody a, a sheet uh, or Put it online, sent you an email. We've still got those in their, their budget sheets. They're a, a way to keep track of, all right, well, God has given us this money. It's a powerful thing, so we need to keep track of it. We need to know how are we spend it because it's powerful. It has its own power, and it's going to sneak its way in there. So part of the budget is part of our protection of saying, oh, we want to be sure this powerful force is used according to the ways of God and not others. So we have a, a budget. You can go online and get the budget, chpc.org slash budget, or you can get the hard copy here. You can print it off at home. You can do it online however you want. And you make that budget. And I'm sure all of you who were here last Sunday did that, and you came in with your homework finished. Uh, now, the folks that weren't here, you didn't know about it. And uh, So for you, hey, you got this week. To, to get it done as well. But then after you filled out your budget, I want you to categorize them according to four things. What's a need? Now I know that's a really challenging question. That's a really good reason to be in a growth food. You need shelter. You're, you're going to need some kind of transportation, even if it's shoes and a raincoat to get to different places. You're going to need something. You know, communication, you're going to need those kind, and other th- kind of things that, that you need. And in our society and culture, you, you need them. And so, go, do your best, as we sang, of what's, what's a need? And then what's a pleasure? This is not a need, but it's a pleasure, and it's a wonderful gift from God that I enjoy. And then, uh, what, what is a, a way that you give your money away? How much are you giving away? We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, now, I just killed uh, the attendance for next week, didn't I? <laughs> but why is, is, is God say, no, we need to give it away? It's because we get to be like God. God gives us more than we need so that we can be like him and give like God gives. It's generosity. And then how much do, and then, uh, what do you set aside for savings? And that's also biblical. There's some Proverbs that talk about the wisdom of the ants who... Store away for seasons ahead. So, but what's a need? What's a pleasure? What are you giving away and what are you saving? Categorize them uh, according to those. And that gives us a good idea of, of where we are. So that's, that is your, um, thanks uh, to God. Let's take a minute and then I'll close this in prayer.
Almighty God, we do give you praise and glory for the marvels of your creation. Uh, what you have done, what you have made, and its eternal value. So that's the sustaining capacity of what you have created. And we, we thank you that through Jesus we have been made right with you and, and we are a part of your eternal kingdom. And we offer ourselves, to, indeed, to do our best with what you have given us according to the best way that we know to, to honor your direction, your, your commandments, to continue to, to emulate your, your character of righteousness, goodness, justice, and, and love, compassion, and mercy. For we, we know and we receive from you and then manage and, and steward those gifts in ways that are in accordance with your kingdom. It is of eternal value. Continue to transform us, Lord. Continue in the power of your spirit to renew our minds according to your good and perfect will as your, your people. And Lord, we, we take this time as well and we lift up the, the needs in our own lives, friends' lives, those in need of work, those in need of shelter, of transportation, those in need of reconciliation, those in need of your healing hand upon them. We, we pray your, your touch upon them to provide what you promised to, to provide. And give us wisdom as, as your people to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now we want to take a minute.